Greetings to all of my lovely open-minded listeners. This is Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. These are very challenging times, and I thought a different, albeit important, topic would be nice. My guest today is Dr. Gerald Pollack, and we are going to talk about water, which I think you will find to be a very interesting topic since the molecules in our bodies are 99% water. The water in your cells is not regular water. It's a highly structured water with special properties. This fourth phase of water is what we are going to be delving into today. Dr. Pollock is a bioengineering professor at the University of Washington. He's regarded as one of the leading premier research scientists in the world in, in the understanding of the physics of water and what it means to your health. Jerry has published many peer-reviewed scientific papers on this topic and received prestigious awards from the National Institutes of Health and many, many other organizations. His book, The Fourth Phase of Water, Beyond Solid, Liquid, and Vapor, is easy to understand even for the non-professional. And may I say, I've just had a delightful pre-recording conversation, and he's a lovely, lovely person to boot. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Oh, hi, Janine. Thank you for your, thank you for your kind words. And uh, and may, may I before before you start asking me sure, questions, uh, let me just comment on this ninety nine percent because uh, a few of your your listeners may be surprised by that. I I, I think we we often hear oh we're two thirds water, and and indeed by volume <laughs> we're two thirds water. However. Um, if you were to line up all the, the, the uh, molecules uh, in, your, in the cell or in your body and start counting them one by one, you'd find that more than 99 out of 100 are water molecules. And, and the reason for that is that those water molecules are tiny. You see, and in order to fill that two thirds volume, you need to stuff in a lot of water molecules. So that's where the number, more than 99% of your molecules are water, that's where it comes from. So. Don't don't be uh, uh, don't be deluded into thinking that Janine doesn't know what she's talking about. She knows very well what she's talking about. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> oh great. Okay. So greetings, Jerry. How are you? And um, let's start with how did you become interested in the fourth phase of water, or living water, or structured water, or gel water? Uh, you know, however, <laughs> that's a, a, a good question. Uh, for, for a good part of my long career, uh, I was studying muscles. I was studying the molecular mechanism of, of contraction. And uh, my interest in water was almost zero. Um, uh, I thought it was you know, good to drink. And uh, uh, beyond that, there, there really wasn't a whole lot. And a Hungarian guy came uh, to work in my laboratory, a, a, a fairly senior guy. And he was, as he got off the plane and I picked him and his wife up and we're driving back in my car from the airport to actually my house where they were gonna stay for until they could find their own place. Uh, Charles was telling me, he said, you know, Jerry, there's a meeting, a conference in Hungary. And the conference is to commemorate the work of a famous biophysicist who died. And this guy had two, two areas of interest. One of them was muscle and the other was water. Mm -hmm. And he said, he said, wouldn't it be great if you could come and talk about muscles? Because 
this guy's ideas were similarly unorthodox as your ideas. And I think, (laughs) yeah, you're you're just the right guy to come and talk about it. So I thought, okay, well, what do I have to lose? Hungary is an interesting place, I'll go. And, and so I went, and, but what intrigued me most is nothing to do with muscle because I was the only one to talk about it. And I think the degree of interest over there was limited, uh, but they all were interested in water. And there I met Gilbert Ling, um, Chinese guy uh, or Chinese American mm-hmm. who had a profound influence on my life. He, his interest was mainly was water. And I got to start by saying Gilbert um, was someone special. Um, after World War II, when China kind of opened up, they wanted to send some scholars from China to the U.S. to to work in you know famous laboratories. And they, from all of China, they chose three scholars: and um, a biologist, a chemist, and a physicist. And of course, they didn't take the mediocre ones; they took the most promising. And um, <laughs> And one of the most promising was the physicist, and he went on to win a Nobel Prize. And Gilbert Ling was the biologist type, and he should have won three Nobel Prizes for all he contributed. But unfortunately, he died within a year ago, just before age 100, unfortunately. I, I met Gilbert Ling at, uh, at, at this conference, and his main contribution was water, so-called structured water. Mm-hmm. And, and Gilbert said, the water that's inside our cells is not like w- water from, from a glass that we drink. He said the, the water is structured. And what does structured mean? Well, the, the water molecule is a bit like a dipole. It's got plus at one end, minus at the other end. And so okay. it's sort of like a bean with plus at one end, minus at the other. And he said, these beans can get stacked the plus uh, of one attached to the minus of the other, and they can just sort of pile up. Mm-hmm. That was that was his general idea. And this was this was called structured water. And he presented a lot of evidence. And what, what impressed me when I met him was not himself so much, although he was certainly an interesting guy because his communication skills are sometimes, um, were unfortunately sometimes uh, limited. But the ideas were were really brilliant. But I met a cadre of people who had evidence, independent evidence, even critical of Gilbert Ling, but uh, independent evidence to support the idea that there were, that was such a thing as so-called structured water. You know, most everybody in science doesn't believe that. They think, oh, uh, you know, what what's that? Some exotic stuff that um, maybe you might see in the laboratory or probably an artifact or nothing. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I was so impressed uh, by the evidence that was presented by, by all of these people. So when I went home, uh, I, I was a changed man. Uh, I, I really was. I was so impressed by this. And I came to realize that if what he's talking about is true, uh, this changes all of biology. I mean, like literally all of biology because cell biology is based on the concept that the water that's inside the cell is just ordinary liquid water, uh, mm-hmm. most of it, much of it. And and if it's if it's ordinary liquid water, then anything and everything can diffuse through it or whatever. But if it's this kind of water, then the properties are um, so drastically different that 
none of what we think of in conventional biology could be correct. And, and so- Wow, that really is big. <laughs> yeah, this is big. This is, this is absolutely big. Yeah, wow. it's, it's totally and absolutely big in so many ways. And I think a lot of people have recognized it. And so, so I did too. I thought, oh my God, this is, this is big stuff. And um, I, I felt open to these ideas and it was a little awkward because we were getting money from the National Institutes of Health to study muscles. And here I'm starting to think that, well, the studying water may be more important than studying mm-hmm. muscles and how muscles contract. Of course, muscles are important and we can't walk without them. Uh, sure. but, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but studying water is, is uh, even more important because Water is everywhere in the universe uh, and, and uh, to understand its properties, not only in biology, but outside of biology as well. So the first thing I did when I came home, I took one of his books and I, I actually had copies of a couple of them, one of his books, and I, I gave it to my students, to some of the students who I, uh, I, I knew were, uh, you know, clever students who think mm-hmm. and such. Every one of them came back to me saying, you know, this guy's got a lot of evidence in support of, of, of his point. And if he's right, it simply changes everything in biology, like everything in biology. And uh, I just wanted to get uh, in, uh, to increase my level of confidence to hear what my students are saying. And they, they told me exactly the same thing that I was thinking myself. Uh, this mm-hmm. mm-hmm. got to do something about this. You can't just sit idle and... Um, uh, you know, do nothing because this this is like um, uh, so so fundamental, such a basic foundation for all of biology that it's really important to pursue it. So how could I how could I do that? What could I do? I'm scratching my head, and I'm thinking the easiest thing I can do is write a book, because Gilbert Ling's books, um, if anybody tries to read them, I wouldn't say they're impenetrable, but they're pretty close. <laughs> You understand very well. Your book is, you know, I mean, it takes a little bit to get through too because of all the chemistry, right? I mean, but it's still the mainstream person can read it and understand it. And, you know, I may have been trying to read it a little too quickly because I wanted to get it read before we talked. So, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the kind of book where uh, I, I seriously made an attempt to to make it really clear and i've edited rewritten got feedback etc cetera, etc cetera, try to do that but still you know there, there's a lot of information there mm-hmm. although many people commented that it was really straightforward but even my brilliant friend uh vladimir vayakov from moscow university who is did the editing of the translation into russian he he, he always told me he said uh, you know i read your book again and again and every time i read it I get more information out of it. And Vladimir is one of the most brilliant people I know. So uh, I I guess I don't know to be flattered or or otherwise. I think that would, yeah, I think I'd be flattered by that. Well, I I guess I'm flattered. Anyway, (laughs) it it wasn't that book, but I decided to write a book. And it's actually the previous book to this is called Cells, Gels, and the Engines of Life. Ah, okay. Okay. And it it was published in 2001. And it, it dealt with the term structured water. Okay. Uh, at that time, there was no, or we, we didn't call anything, we didn't study anything with uh, fourth phase water or easy or exclusion zone water. We, there was none of that yet. So I wrote the book and the book, it, 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 it was 
meant, as I said, to, to convey Gilbert Ling's ideas in a palatable way, one of which you and I could probably understand. Uh, and, and I think I did it reasonably, reasonably successfully, but I went on from there. Um, I went on to describe the role of this kind of water in, in cell biology. And the book was received with, with uh, uh, mixed, uh, mixed reviews. Um, okay. Some people said, oh, this is merely an extension of Gilbert Ling, and everybody knows that Gilbert Ling is a crackpot, so this is, <laughs> this is worthless. I mean, it was, it was not exactly so blatant, but it was not so far from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there on the other side, there were quite a few reviews. Uh, and the one I liked the best was from uh, uh, a rather well-known cell biologist from Harvard University. And of course, if you're from Harvard, it must be right. right? Oh, of course. Yeah, yes. we know that. He said, quote, um, this is a this is a 305 page preface to the future of cell biology. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was mixed reviews. And the worst review of all came from Gilbert Ling. Uh, oh my. Yeah, oh my is right. He said, he wrote an email to me uh, and the email has said, Jerry, you didn't quote me enough. Uh, <laughs> and he went on also to say that, you know, this has nothing to do with gels. There's nothing gel-like about, uh, about this water, et cetera, et cetera. And, it was actually an angry letter and he copied everybody in the field. Oh. It, it was not happy, not a happy. So were, you, so were you really talking about two different things? No, uh, I no? was talking about Gilbert Ling's ideas about water. And, and I think that Gilbert Ling felt that I should have quoted him in every paragraph, if not every sentence. Uh. Uh, I had four or five chapters on his stuff. And uh, of course I mentioned his name many times and made it clear that these were his ideas, not my ideas, that it was absolutely clear, but he did, he thought I didn't quote him enough. And, you know, I, I could feel um, he was getting on in years and, um, uh, and he was rejected by the scientific establishment, even more so than most people. I, I, I've come to re realize that I think in part it was his ideas uh, that were non-mainstream, in part also his personality, uh, he could sometimes be abrasive. On the other hand, his ideas were just brilliant. And, mm -hmm. and, and we did finally make friends. And I, I think I take credit for that because I tried to repair that relationship many times. And uh, there were a few events that really helped. And, and eventually we became, I wouldn't say pals exactly, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we're pursuing essentially the same point of view with slight differences. And there were not too many of us, at least at that time, there were not too many or many more now. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, of course, we should be friends, but it was really difficult uh, uh, for that to happen. So, huh. so I'm going, pardon me. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I think that's fascinating. I'm glad you, you know, are, are relating that because I always find the sort of the underlying personal dynamics of things to be very interesting. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, it's 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 fun to talk about. I, yeah, so it it took a while, but you know, you know that the water that's inside the cell can't be like water that you drink because because of something very simple. So you cut yourself. If mm -hmm. the water inside your body is like water in a glass, uh, it should come pouring out. You know, like a like a, a frac fractured glass or tube or something like that. Oh, I never thought of that. Okay. 
Yeah, and it, but it's not, right? It, mm -hmm. The water doesn't come pouring out, which means it's different. Something is different about the water. And uh, the idea that it's gel-like and the gel sticks to the solids inside the cell is more compatible with this very simple observation. So, you know, and that's the sort of thing you don't need to be a rocket scientist to get. And so, anyway, uh, this is a long answer to your short question, but I, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say just one more thing that out of curiosity, you know, having written this book, of course, I got interested in the subject and how could you not get interested in the subject? And so I, I kind of um, um, surreptitiously used some of the funding that we had from the National Institutes of Health to study muscles to start studying water. By dint of some good luck and or I mean, good fortune and um, or whatever, we managed pretty quickly to, to start making discoveries and discoveries led us to a, a rather, I don't know, whether say rather different view or rather similar view, but somewhere in between. We found indeed that there is structured water, it, that it practically fills the cell, but that the quality and character of that water uh, was unfortunately markedly different from what Gilbert Ling had suggested. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't use the, the word structure very much because everything has structure, you know, so oh, it doesn't, true. Mm -hmm. doesn't really mean a lot. We like to use the term fourth phase or or even more commonly EZ for exclusion zone. If I respond to your questions by talking about EZ, fourth phase, they're the same. Okay, um, okay. Okay, anyway, that's a quick summary. It's actually a long summary of, of how we, how our lab, how we maybe 20 years ago started to get into the, into water. Okay. One thing I want to back up a little bit, you, you mentioned, because I always had thought for, I don't know why, for some reason that, that the water molecules were round and you mentioned something that sounds like they're kind of oblong. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually water molecules are neither, neither one, the oblong, oh. well, well, the oblong is just a model to make, to make it easier to, um, to, to understand, okay. uh, or like a bean, you know, everybody mm -hmm. knows what a bean looks like. It depends mm -hmm. on the kind of bean, but, and, uh, and this is common usage in, in science when someone wants to draw a diagram showing a dipole that is plus at one end and minus at the other. They draw it like a bean with a plus sign on top and a minus sign on bottom. It's just for artistic purposes. The water molecule actually looks nothing. It's more like a boomerang. And, oh. Yeah. And at, at, at the bend of the boomerang is the oxygen. Mm. And at the other two ends is the hydrogen. So the oxygen with its minus, minus, minus is right at that kink. Mm -hmm. uh, and the hydrogens uh, with the plus are, are at the tail ends of the boomerang. That's what, that's what the molecule looks like. But you know, what we're talking about now in terms of fourth phase, easy water is not no longer the molecule. It, it actually, the water molecules undergone uh, a radical change. It's actually a chemical change uh, more than a physical change, but everything, everything is different. And yeah, you know, so I, how is it different? So that, okay. that was going to be my next question. So uh, how, yes. how is this molecule different? And I can visualize the boomerang now. So that's good. Okay. So, so forget the boomerang because, okay. uh, because that's liquid water. And okay. in fact, in fact, even the so-called experts in water still don't understand liquid water. It's, it's really funny, but you know, there are theories about 
the structure, so to speak, or the behavior of liquid water. And they're almost mutually exclusive from, from one another, which means nobody really understands it. Everybody has their own idea, but, but, but there's not one unique idea. I'm not sure of the reason for that, but um, anyway, what happens uh, to answer your question is if you have, a, if you have some liquid water mm -hmm. and you put a solid into it, some, okay. some mass of some, and the mass happens to have uh, surfaces that are so-called hydrophilic, water-loving. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, and what that means is if you have that surface sitting, let's say, in the horizontal plane, and you take some water and drop it on that uh, flat horizontal surface, the water will spread out. That's okay. hydrophilic. Okay. As opposed to hydrophobic, like Teflon, where it beads up. So, okay. so we're talking about only about hydrophilic surfaces, which characterize most surfaces. Actually, not so many of them are hydrophobic. Most are hydrophilic, especially in biology. So hydrophilic, the water spreads out and hydrophobic, the water beads up. Right. Okay. And so if you take some material whose surface is hydrophilic, like mm -hmm. a little cube of the material and drop it into the water. And what happens is, is when the water meets the surface, the, the first layer of, of those boomerang-like water molecules, uh, when they touch the surface, they undergo a, a, a chemical transition. And it's a major transition. And if you were to look at that one surface, uh, look at it uh, perpendicular to the surface, so you can see what the flat surface looks like, you'll see hexagons. Uh, oh. and, and so it forms a sheet-like layer that's a honeycomb sheet, a hexagonal sheet. And then the next bunch of water molecules form a second hexagonal sheet building on the first one. Mm -hmm. And then the third one and a fourth one, and they keep building. And So it changes from a boomerang shape to a hexagon. Right. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not exactly one-to-one -one because right, the hexagon but... consists of a bunch of, of those boomerangs. And, right. Okay, and, and those, layers, those layers keep growing. And they may grow to um, dozens, uh, hundreds. And we've had up to, in certain extreme circumstances, up to say close to a million layers. I mean, oh. it can grow way out there. So it's not just a laboratory curiosity, there's a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So then you go to, uh, so that's the first characteristic uh, of it. Uh, second characteristic of it is, is that this easy, these layers. Now, if you stick an electrode in, or actually two electrodes, one there and one at some remote spot as a reference, okay. you, find, you find that it's not neutral. It's negatively charged. Uh, the easy water or fourth phase water is typically negatively charged. And the region beyond the easy, the ordinary water where these layers have not yet built, uh, that's positively charged. That means, oh, okay. yeah, and, and the reason for this, the, these um, negative and positive is it comes from the water molecule. You see the water, in order to build this stuff, the water molecules get split and they get split into um, an H plus and an OH minus. You put these together and you get H2O, but, right. but if you split them, you get OH minus. That is, you know, if you think about the boomerang, it's the center of the boomerang plus one end. Uh, mm -hmm. is one part and because oxygen is minus two and the hydrogen is plus one you get net minus one mm, uh, okay okay mm -hmm. and I the other end of the boomerang is plus one and so those separate and it's the oh minus 
uh, minuses that together build these hexagonal layers. Okay, so so we have uh, we have negative EZ and positive water just beyond. And these are confirmed through uh, many experiments. And so it's a battery. Uh, we have separated minus and plus. It, it's just like your cell phone battery, you know, except that this is a battery made of water. And, and in fact, we can actually put two electrodes in, one in the negative, one in the positive, and get useful energy out of it, electrical energy. And uh, we've demonstrated we can light a light bulb. This is not yet, you know, practical for uh, there anybody's energy needs, but in theory it works. So mm -hmm. this, is, this is for us, uh, this is very exciting. Okay, so those are two features. The third feature um, that I should mention is you can't get something for nothing. Now, <laughs> Darn. you know, in, in Nelson, where you live, maybe you can, I, but in Seattle, where I live, uh, we, we've learned you can't get something for nothing. So what I do I mean? I think that's a pretty universal truth. <laughs> I guess it's a universal truth. Yeah. You know, uh, you give love, you get it back. Um, right. and, and there's more than that. So, you know, if you start with chaos and you want to, you want to create order, you got to put energy into it. And right. uh, the best example of that is, uh, is your office, right? It gets progressively messy. You put papers down and um, uh, mm. sometimes even a little dust and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it takes nothing to do that. It's easy to get sloppy or chaotic, but one day you decide, oh damn, you know, I got to do something about this. And you really need to put some energy into it. And you spend 30 minutes and it's already back in order again. So right. creating order always requires energy, you see. Um, Good example. And, mm -hmm. Well, someone else told me that it was, it was her favorite example. And so I kind of remember it. Yeah. Yes. Good. So, okay. So, uh, and, and that's the same in the system we're talking about. So to create what I've been talking about, the, this water transition, transitioning from, from the liquid water, which is chaotic. The molecules are bouncing around at some fierce rate, a gazillion times a second. And to convert them into what's kind of like a crystal, stable, everything is ordered. Um, you, need, you need energy. And you also need energy to, to charge a battery. As I mentioned a moment ago, you've, you've got a battery, easy water negative, the water beyond is positive. Mm -hmm. so, so you need energy to do all the stuff I was talking about. And, um, and so one way of getting energy is to just communicate with you because you're so full of energy, um, but <laughs> the, the water can't quite do that all the time. And so, so where does the energy come from to create, to create this, uh, this structure? Good question. And, yeah, a good question. We couldn't figure it out. Uh, here we are professionals, uh, so-called experts, you know, <laughs> and, and we couldn't figure it out. You know, you can't take the experimental chamber that's sitting on, 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 on the bench and plug it into the receptacle. I mean, <laughs> that's not where it comes from. Right. And finally, we figured it out. Uh, and it was it was a student, an undergraduate student who, um, I don't know that he really knew what he was doing exactly, but he did an experiment that he was not supposed to be doing. So he's sitting at the bench doing an experiment, putting one of these materials in the water, putting some particles in the water. And I, I didn't mention that previously, but this exclusion zone, the reason we call it exclusion zone or exclusion zone water is as it grows, it pushes out everything. It's like it's like growing glacier. 
um, you find beyond the glacier, you find all the rocks and stones that have been excluded, pushed out as right. the ice forms mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's pure ice. You know, it's a pure crystal. And if it's pure, it can't have impurities. And so it, it can't have all the junk and it just pushes it out as it grows. It's the same with the EZ as it grows, it pushes out all kinds of stuff. So, so the student was doing the experiment and typically as these particles, we use microspheres, little tiny spheres that you can mm -hmm. see in a microscope, but you can't really identify otherwise. And you look in the microscope and as this EZ is growing, you see these particles uh, clearing out of, of this zone and the zone remains clear, free of microspheres or any kind of particles. And all they're all pushed out um, at, uh, toward the far edge of this growing exclusion zone. And that's how you can tell how big the exclusion zone is just by seeing where the particles are not. Ah, so, okay. Okay. so he was doing that experiment. And, you know, the students are free to do pretty much what they like to do. And there was a lamp that was sitting right next to him, a gooseneck lamp. So he picked up the lamp and he shined it on the chamber. Uh, it was a, directed at a particular region of that uh, of the chamber, and he called me in to show me. And what he what he saw was that the the exclusion zone, whose whose far boundary is parallel usually to that material surface that I was talking about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just grows in layers and uh, everything is parallel. But he showed me uh, that the exclusion zone grew wildly in the region that was illuminated. I mean, it, it grew like three times the size, but mm. only in the region that was illuminated, not mm. in the unilluminated region. Light. Light, mm. light, let there be light. Uh, uh -huh. You got it, the light. And so, uh, you know, uh, I was needless to say excited and uh, it didn't take a, a genius or a rocket scientist or any kind of, to figure out that, well, it looks like light may play a role, the energy from light, the photons from light uh, may be responsible for the energy that's responsible for building this kind of fourth phase or easy, easy water. And so this was not, of course, you know, the ultimate experiment, it was just a clue. And we went on to do real experiments that we published, of course, because uh, the first question that we had to ask was, you know, light has a lot of different wavelengths and um, blue or red or whatever, which mm -hmm. wavelength was most important in, in growing this? And we had no idea at first. The wavelengths can actually extend beyond the visible uh, region of the spectrum. So, right. you know, there's mm -hmm. ultraviolet at the short wavelength mm -hmm. end, uh, infrared at the long wavelength end. Right. So, of course, we were curious and we studied uh, all wavelengths between um, uh, somewhere in the in in the ultraviolet all the way through the visible and out to the infrared and and we found that most of the wavelengths were pretty puny in the the uh, amount of easy growth that we could get but in the infrared region very weak infrared was sufficient to grow the um, easy by leaps and bounds it was like a thousand times more powerful at similar intensity than some of the visible wavelengths. So, oh, so now we're talking infrared saunas and infrared heating pads. You are exactly like talking that. that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. That, uh, I was wondering why infrared saunas were really, I mean, you know, I, I had one, I loved it, but I, and I, I had done research on it, but they didn't get into this depth of why 
it works. Yeah, you're 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 right on. The see the infrared is sort of like heat, uh, but it's not exactly mm -hmm. the same. But but you know, same. We usually when you feel heat, there's a lot of infrared, and so yeah. So the sauna is is uh, is is perfect for that because it grows easy water. And I didn't didn't mm -hmm. mention this. I will. We can talk about it. But the easy water fills your cells. And it's a necessary condition for cellular function. If you don't have enough of it, your cells are not working properly. They can even be pathological. So, uh, ah, and then so does going out in the sun affect? Yeah, you? the sun is more than fifty percent, very close to fifty percent infrared. Uh, we oh, receive okay. light and heat. The heat uh, fraction is is basically infrared. So, so you go out in the sun and you feel. Um, uh, better and you're from Portland originally so you know mm -hmm. uh, when the sun comes out in December January everybody feels good you know we we tend to attribute this to um, um, psychological effect and it may be true however you know uh, these infrared wavelengths um, get through uh, they many of the wavelengths can penetrate your skin and penetrate your skull even um, so your your in, entire body especially you know, the sun is hitting your, your head uh, mostly because you sometimes have heavy clothing on and, and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it comes out and you feel good. Uh, why do you feel good? Well, I think at least one hypothesis is that in your brain, if you got one, uh, most people do, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, um, you're, you're feeling depressed or you're feeling, and you're not designed to, to behave that way. But, but one possible explanation is you haven't gotten a lot of infrared energy in your in your in your body uh, externally. You get some internally, of course, because of all the metabolism that's going on and generating heat. But your body is craving more uh -huh. to build the easy water because the brain cells can't function uh, optimally unless they are filled with easy water. And in order, ah, to... ah, that's right. So you need so when you go out, you get the sun's rays, or better, take off all your clothing. Uh, go into the um, real uh, sauna or sauna, as they say in Finland, um, mm -hmm. and and that's where you get it. Uh, so I had this experience myself. You know, in Seattle, there uh, there are some natural uh, saunas, but not not too many. But I've been to uh, Russia and Finland. Uh, the, the Russians have the so-called banya, which is the same as the sauna mm. in Finland. And I remember okay. I remember the experiences, and they're they're also positive. One experience was in Finland and I went to a conference. It was in the north of, of Finland. And, you know, I guess the farther north you get, the more they need these saunas to feel sure. good, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so I'd given a talk during the day. I was seriously jet lagged and they said, okay, time to go to the party. So we all went to the party and it was food and dancing and whatever. It was friendly, uh, cordial, uh, pleasant. I just wanted to go home. I wanted to go to my hotel room, fall into my bed, and cover myself from head to toe and go to sleep because you know when jet lag hits and you're tired oh, and you're gosh, yeah, yeah yeah so finally at about 10 p.m a guy gets up with the microphone and uh, and i was sure that he was announcing he was going to announce okay it's time to get back in the bu buses to go back to the hotels so instead of doing that he said it's time for the sauna <laughs> I, and I said, oh, shit, <laughs> excuse my expression. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, it's got to go, got to get some sleep here. 
So reluctantly, I, you know, I had a choice of three different ones. One was uh, a humid one, one was a dry one, and the other was, I don't, I don't know what it was. But um, I went and, um, and I immersed, took off my clothing, sat down, immersed myself for 20, 30 minutes, took a shower, and I came out amazed. I just simply could not believe I felt, it felt as though I had eight hours sleep and the next day is beginning. I was so energized. Um, Oh, it, it, that's incredible. incredible difference. I was just ready to go again. You know, <laughs> let's start dancing or wh whatever. <laughs> wow. And so that's amazing. Yeah, it was a life changing experience. And I, I, I came to realize uh, it really works. Uh, the sound, whether, you know, I, I haven't I haven't tried the artificial one with infrared lights, but it's the mm -hmm. infrared that really does the job. Right. You know, it's not. You okay, know, so I've, I've got a couple of questions. Please. Okay, so we get infrared from the sun. What about from the light from the moon? Does that have any effect on the on the uh, easy water? Uh, well, I I can't say no. It has no effect because I don't. I, but not that you know of. Well, <laughs> I mean, the question that you're asking has it's 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 more complicated than uh, well. First of all. The intensity of the moon is much less than that of the sun. Uh, second right. of all, I don't know how much infrared um, is being produced by by the moon, but we certainly don't feel heat from the moon. Mm -hmm. uh, it'd right. be easy to find out, and we actually are capable of finding out because we have in my lab infrared cameras. You know, and these cameras pick up even if it's completely dark. Everything's generating infrared light, and so so mm -hmm. if it's if it's dark, you turn on the infrared camera and you get a beautiful image of anything or everything just as you get with mm -hmm. your cell phone camera but you're not picking up the visible wavelengths you're picking up infrared so it works even mm -hmm. in the dark so if you point it at the moon um if you can see something then it's generating infrared if you can't then it's not generating very much mm -hmm. infrared and mm -hmm. i don't know the answer to that question hmm. i don't know it just i it just came to me you know i wonder if if you know standing like at the full moon or something standing out in the moon if that in the moonlight, if that would uh, affect the easy water. Well, it might, but but for a different reason. And so so now, you know, we we turn to something that's more exotic or woo woo stuff. Um, and, mm, and okay, you know what I'm <laughs> I'm talking about, I think. But yeah, so and 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 that's not been researched enough. So there are some kinds of subtle energies that are are being generated, and of course, you know, mainstream science dismisses that as as nonsense um, mm -hmm. um, because mainstream science ever since in the past hundred years has has dismissed any kind of you might say spirituality uh, from from science the two are now thought of as distinct entities that don't don't meet or coincide or anything mutually mutually exclusive exactly that's the word <laughs> i was looking for the two words i was looking for yeah ah, okay. thank you but people like yourself and and others are beginning to to realize that that's not necessarily so, and and I think right. that you know the best evidence for that um, are, are many experiments that have been done that demonstrate that that water can actually have store information or memory, if you will. Um, yes, I wanted to talk about that. Let's let's. Oh, first I I have one question first to go back, and then let's talk about water and memory. You said that brain cells need easy water. 
I'm wondering if that would might be a factor, the lack of be a factor in like foggy brain. Sure. Totally. Absolutely. Why not? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Foggy brain. Uh, yeah. Um, stemming from which issue are, are you talking about? About age or tiredness or uh, inflammation? Well, or, uh, yeah, I know sometimes, well, when I, when I was having, uh, before I got my, when I had my thyroid crash in 2001 and, and I was just so like foggy brain, I couldn't, I couldn't think I couldn't, you know, I used to say I was a slug with cotton candy for a brain. <laughs> and, and every once in a while, I'll feel kind of, you know, like, I'm not sharp, I'm not clear. And it just struck me that, you know, I wonder if, if this, this could be a factor in that. It absolutely could be a factor. I, mean, I think it happens to everybody increasing with age, but uh, we all yeah, we, we zone out, we forget. Uh, if you were to ask me a, a particular question about water, uh, and I know the answer very well, but I can't remember the name of the person. So um, yeah, mm -hmm. we, 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 all, we all do that. And, and, and yeah, um, I, I don't know if, if, anybody, if anybody has actually studied uh, to see what happens if you, uh, if, if you um, impart um, uh, infrared energy on your head, face, brain, mm -hmm. uh, whether it gets sharper, whether your memory increases, but it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, we've come to the conclusion, we, I, maybe a few people in my lab, I don't know, outside that, that the cell absolutely needs to be filled with, with easy water. Otherwise, it doesn't function properly. And so you, you know, you do whatever you can to build up that, that easy water. You never lose mm -hmm. um, it because your metabolism is generating heat and, and, and that's, as I said, essentially equivalent to infrared. So you've always got a source inside your body to replenish your cells with easy water. This infrared energy okay. will build it. But, you know, your head is a little bit distant from your, um, your gut and um, uh, your gut may be generating a lot of that, but your head is at some distance. So it's easy to imagine that it could be the case. Uh, um, and, um, and I should mention, this is slightly unrelated, but, you know, MRI, M mm -hmm. MRI, the reason you get an image of, of your brain is because of the different kinds of waters that are in your brain. If all the water was the same liquid water, you'd get no image. Uh, but oh. the very fact that you can get an image is based on the water. If you ask anybody who has expertise in MRI, they'll tell you that that's the case. And so that is you know, pretty, pretty clear evidence that um, mm -hmm. the, the kind of structured water certainly exists in your brain. And it just makes total sense that you need that water to function properly because, because what happens for, for any biological process, uh, whether it's in your brain or your kidney or your muscle, uh, it, it, it's all pretty much the same. This is, this is laid out in, in my sales gels and the engines of the life book. What happens is that if your cell wants to go to work, let's say it's a muscle cell, okay? And your muscle cell is typically maybe quiescent, it's not contracting, uh, and all okay. the water, or essentially all the water is structured, easy water. Mm -hmm. And then you wanna, you wanna stand up or something. You need to start exerting your leg muscles or, or grab a piece of toast or something like that, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So you activate your muscle, what happens? Well. What happens, and this is through the research that we and others have done, is that the water that was easy water undergoes a transition to ordinary water. And then 
And it, it undergoes a transition together with the proteins inside the cells. So it's the water and the proteins that undergo a change. And that's the basis for the contraction that occurs. And, uh, and in, in, for example, a different kind of cell, like a secretory cell, that's the basis for what happens when the cell secretes some hormone or something. And in a nerve cell, it's the basis for what happens when the nerve cell transmits information. So the cell goes from, from structured water with extended proteins, like maybe you've seen pictures in muscle with filaments of the proteins. And then mm-hmm. when the muscle mm-hmm. wants to contract, all that changes, the whole the muscle, the water and the proteins undergo this so-called phase change. They do it together. It's not just one or and or the other. It's a combination because the water is stuck to the protein. See, this easy water. Oh. Yeah, and so they undergo a change. And then when you're finished contracting, when you've picked up your piece of toast, everything goes back again to the original state. And, and that's the time when the easy water uh, builds up again through energy, because you need energy to build, as I mentioned before. So it's a cycle that occurs. And if you don't have enough easy water, you can't go through the cycle. And, and, and so for example, in muscles, uh, you may find that if you use your muscles a lot um, and they've been um, overused, like after playing two, two rounds of, of tennis or something like that, two matches, uh, mm-hmm. your, mus- yep. your muscles, may, some of your muscles may be in a contracted state and they're in a contracted state and, and you could feel the muscles are shortened, contracted. They're not in a relaxed state, they're in a contracted state. And mm-hmm. if you want to get it back to the, um, to the, the relaxed state, to the lengthened state, not the contracted one, you need to put energy into it to create um, the easy water and to return Mm -hmm. the proteins to their long extended state. And you may not have enough energy to do it because you've just played two matches of tennis. So that's the reason why often you'll you'll find after those two matches of tennis that your muscle is contracted up. It can't get back to the relaxed state uh, because it needs to build up the easy water and, and, uh, and return the proteins to their initial state but you don't have the energy to do it. And so, so you don't have the right complement of easy water and your muscle's not functioning while it remains in the contracted state instead of in the relaxed state and ready for the next contraction. So this is- So how do you change that? I mean, so, the, so the, what I'm thinking about is, because you, you mentioned the process of, of metabolism. Yep. And so what if you have low metabolism? Uh, you know, some people tend to have high metabolism. Some people have low metabolism. I would think that would affect your structured water in your cells. Yeah, oh. I, um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Uh, one, of course, I never thought about it. Um, so there are several things to say. First of all, uh, how low metabolism is low. Um, if, it, if it's decreased mm-hmm. by 30%, does it really matter? I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, if you if you've got ninety five percent of the complement of one hundred percent easy water that you need, maybe maybe that's okay. Maybe you don't need to have ninety nine point nine percent or whatever. I don't know how low. Nobody's done studies in this. And that's one thing. Second is you also get infrared from outside your body, and it mm-hmm. comes from all over. If you were to whip out your infrared camera in the complete darkness aim anywhere and you'll get a beautiful image of everything because everything is generating infrared and and you're receiving that infrared in the same way that the infrared camera um, is receiving that 
infrared. See, so it comes your way. So that will help. And second, or third or whatever, you can compensate for that. Uh, uh, there are a half dozen different ways that you can actually build easy water. Uh, okay. And I, you know, I can tell you about them if we, if we. Yeah, let's talk about water memory first. <laughs> okay. and yeah, then yeah, I know there's so many things to talk about. I know, because <laughs> <laughs> I do want to get into the practical, you know, so what, how can we use this information? Okay, water memory. Mm -hmm. uh, where should I start? <laughs> uh, first of all, the, the whole concept of water memory is preposterous. It sounds preposterous, uh, or I should mm -hmm. say uh, in a slightly different way, to, to your average listener out there who has never heard about uh, or, or immerse themselves in so-called structured water. Immerse, you know, they have no idea that the concept of uh, memory. Why, uh, how is it possible that water can, can retain information? If you think of water as liquid water, um, um, and if you think of the molecules as bouncing around a fierce number of times every second, and also randomly oriented with respect to each other, it's just impossible to, to think of a system like that that could store information. Right? Uh, yeah, right. it just doesn't. Right. I mean, does, does like putting stickers on your water pitcher, you know, love, peace, harmony, blah, 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 does that actually do anything? Uh, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know the answer to it, but uh, my guess okay. is yes. Uh, I, I know okay. the answer to related questions about. Okay. Um, uh, maybe you know about uh, uh, the so called rice experiment. Um, you, you, um, this has been done by many people uh, associated mostly with the. Emoto group, but I think I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm scattering my comments around too much. Uh, can, can I come back to that that question? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and please Excuse remind me, me if I Go don't because it's it's really interesting. Uh, but okay. getting back to it, so conceptually, it it would seem to anyone with a sane mind that if you somehow were able to put water information into water, it would never store the information because you know, how 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 would that happen? However. If you think of easy water or any kind of structured water, it, it's like a crystal. Uh, everything is organized. And think about a computer memory like your thumb drive. What's inside your thumb drive? Uh, well, what's inside your thumb drive are uh, a bunch of silicon transistors, and they're arrayed in a three-dimensional order, right? Uh, it's, okay. it's like a grid. And each one has two states, uh, on, off, zero, one, whatever. And, and, and because you can address each one of these independently, you can store information this way, zeros and ones basically. Uh, and that's the basis for, for this kind of memory. Now think about how the easy water is similar. It's similar in that uh, all of the hydrogens and oxygens are arrayed in three dimensions uh, in a regular array and also it's similar in that the oxygens have multiple states. It's not, not just two states, but it turns out that the oxygen atoms can have five different uh, so-called oxidation states. And the one we know about most mm. is minus two. Uh, we talk about the valence of oxygen as being minus two, but in fact, it's actually minus two, minus one, zero, plus one, and plus two. So it means, mm -hmm. if you think about it, it means that the easy water not only has the capacity uh, to store information be because 
just like a computer memory, all the elements inside are arrayed in three dimensions, but also each oxygen has not two states, but five states. And if you, if you do the arithmetic to figure out what does that mean in terms of the memory capacity, it turns out it's something like, I can't remember, I should refer back to my notes. It's something like 10 million or hundred million times the capacity of standard computer memories. In other words, oh, wow. yeah, wow is right. Yeah, <laughs> we're dealing we're dealing with with uh, uh, I hate to use the word mega capacity because mega we're way past mega right now uh, an amazing capacity and that's inside our body you see that mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> so the question is the the first point is that no wonder yeah. people want to turn their bodies into computers <laughs> <laughs> uh, well there are pluses and minuses to all that but uh, yeah, right. uh, yeah. <clears throat> They, just a thought <laughs> yeah that's an interesting thought no wonder why they, they might might want to do that uh, so so yes and so you know initially the world reacted the the, the first uh, prominent uh, shall we say prominent scientist who who said uh, water has memory was a guy named Jacques Benveniste and Benveniste was basically crucified for uh, his ideas he was a, a French immunologist and of some mm-hmm. renown, uh, he was a famous mm-hmm. guy and he had connections to all the highest people in, in, in French science. And, and his stuff uh, is in some immunology textbooks. And, and someone came to his lab and showed him something. And I, I, I just don't want to go into too much detail to leave time for, for some other questions. But anyway, the, re- the result was that uh, it seemed that, that the water could retain information because it could do things that were, were very specific and mimicked what uh, certain kinds of cells could do. But all there was was water, you see. So he's, he said, he argued that the water contained information or memory from those particular cells. Otherwise, the water couldn't have done all the wonderful things that it was demonstrated to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So he was he was dismissed uh, as a, you know a crazy heretic. He certainly wasn't, but uh, he was absolutely convinced that this was real. And he even contacted me. I I became his friend. He said he wanted to do a demonstration to demonstrate to the president of the U.S. Academy of Sciences that his experiment actually worked. Uh, it was not a trick of any sort because uh, it was called in in the journal Nature the the editor who came with a couple of people uh, to visit. They, they drew a conclusion that it's some kind of trick, although they couldn't figure out the trick. And you wanted mm-hmm. to demonstrate that it wasn't. They said it was a delusion, like the trick of a magician. And in fact, one of the committee of three who came to visit him in this French laboratory was a magician. Because, oh. <laughs> yeah, this is Jeez. the amazing Randy. Was, oh, yes, I've heard Oh, of him. so you know mm-hmm. about the amazing Randy. Yes. Yeah, who now mm-hmm. says he was will give one million dollars to anybody who could prove that water memory is real, but he's the one who makes judgment. <laughs> so, right, so, you know. Right. Um, any, anyway, uh, unfortunately, Benfinis never got to demonstrate what he wanted to demonstrate to the president of the Academy of Sciences because he died. He had a, a pacemaker issue, and and it was a routine examination replacement or uh, some, some electrical thing. And, and my friend um, spoke to him right after the surgery, a day after he was fine, the next day he died. Um, wow. So some are speculating 
that he was not popular among the people who produce the pharmaceuticals, you know, uh, mm. uh, you can achieve mm-hmm. something without pharmaceuticals uh, with information. Oh, so I, I, don't, I don't know anything more than speculation about, mm-hmm. about his, mm-hmm. his, his death. And, and the same with Masaru Emoto, we, we haven't talked about him, the uh, same kind of issue. But, mm-hmm. but at any rate, by now, many people have demonstrated water memory of one sort or another. And the reason I know this is not only because I sometimes have time to read literature, but I organize each year, except this year for COVID, the annual conference on the physics, chemistry, and biology of water. Oh, and it, okay. It's in Germany now, and uh, it's a fantastic meeting. Uh, almost everybody who comes loves it because because it's very informal and you get a chance to listen to the latest interesting stuff and you get a chance to meet all the people who are doing this stuff in a very casual kind of atmosphere. So we had, Oh, that must be fun for you. It's fun for me. Uh, you know, I, the, the 200 or so people who come, um, I've got 200 friends there. It's just wonderful uh, to come mm-hmm. see them and chat with them. And every time there's a conference, almost every time, uh, some someone is is there reporting some experiment that demonstrates water memory, you know. So uh-huh. when it was just Jacques Benveniste, you could say, eh, well, you know, maybe, maybe uh, we're not really sure. But when it's one after another, including, uh, I must say, um, a Nobel laureate who comes every year, um, uh, Luc Montagnier. He dis- oh yes, I've heard yeah, of him. he's discovered mm-hmm. HIV, so mm-hmm. he knows something mm-hmm. about about. Uh, cells and bacteria and um, uh, infections and whatever. And, and he's demonstrated um, to the satisfaction of many people uh, that uh, you can actually transfer information uh, from DNA into water. And um, mm-hmm. I, I won't go into the... Isn't it, I, know, I have read stuff about that. It's crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if, if it's true, um, and Luke maintains that uh, there are some uh, Italian groups who have repeated the experiments and confirmed it. Uh, the, the papers are not in great detail, so it's a little hard to, uh, to draw judgment, but it looks promising and it looks interesting. And, it, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's um, uh, you might say it conforms to what other people have, have demonstrated um, about water memory, each one using a different Technique. So I think by now, if you were to ask anybody who goes to <clears throat> the conference, is there such a thing as water memory? For them, it's like, um, you know, it's like uh, two plus two equals four, of course. Uh, and we mm-hmm. all know it. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it. it's there. Many people have demonstrated. But of course, if you, if you present this idea to anybody in the mainstream, they'll say, you know, you, you, you must be on a different planet or something like this. You must, you must have been mm-hmm. on some drug to talk about water memory because how absurd can you can you actually get? And so, so this brings us back to the, uh, Masaru Emoto who you mentioned, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty closely connected with with that group. One of the first things I've learned is that although we call him Emoto, the correct pronunciation is Emoto. <laughs> Emoto. Emoto. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Emoto. Emoto. Mm-hmm. Emoto. And I, I slip sometimes too. And I <coughs> I met him only uh, during an interview. He was the spiritualist and I was the scientist. And we got together. Ah. And then my late wife and I invited him to dinner. We knew he was coming to Seattle. And we invited him. And 
he never showed. And um, it turned out he had a good excuse. He died. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry, I didn't wow. mean to make, make light of it. But no. Uh, yeah. No, I mean that, yeah, you invite him to dinner and why? Yeah, yeah. couldn't make wow. it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I guess not. Yeah. So, okay, let's get into what, how can we utilize all of this information to improve our, our health? You know, I know one of the things that I learned in your book that I, I probably learned somewhere in, you know, my pre-nursing science training, but I forgot is that the earth has a negative charge. Yep. So, and that's something that we need. So I, I, I never realized that that's why like walking barefoot or lying on the ground is, is one of the reasons why that's so beneficial for us. Well, yeah, but your, your comment hasn't quite connected all the dots. I, I, right. I know I would sort of, yeah, yeah. no, there you, you correctly <laughs> outlined it, but, but I mean, the question is, is, is why. And, uh, and that's, you know, when I heard that the earth was negatively charged, where did you learn about it? Did you say in, 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 well, I mean, it was from your book, but I'm sure that, oh. you know, before, like in all the science courses that I had to take before getting into nursing school, I, I'm sure, you know, I had heard it I, somewhere. Well, I doubt it. Uh, you might. No, or maybe not. The concept is, is so, so important. Um, and I, I, I got it from, from a Russian guy who was working in my laboratory. And just as he was about to depart to go home to Russia after six months, he started talking to me about the Earth's electric field. And I said, okay. I said, Andre, you must mean the Earth's magnetic field. I never heard of an electric field. He said, no, electric field. I said, Andre, are you on some kind of drug? He said, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody knows that the Earth has negative charge. Uh, you know, so I, I went home that evening. Um, you know, he said, there, there must be something deficient with the American education system because in <laughs> Russia, even middle school, people know that the Earth has a has an electric field and the earth is negative and the ionosphere is positive. So it's like a capacitor with plus and minus mm. and an electric field between. And I, I just went home and couldn't sleep that night because I'm thinking if Andre is right, this is really important stuff, but how come I studied electrical engineering for four years um, at a decent institution? Nobody ever mentioned to me that <laughs> the earth was not zero electrical potential, but negative. So it turns out uh, I think that this is such a critically important concept and, and shame on the educational system in the U.S. for failing to, to teach us that. But so what does it mean? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you connect yourself to the earth. It means you're connecting yourself to, uh, to uh, a vast supply, uh, practically infinite supply of negative charge. And, and your, cell, your cells are filled with negative charge because easy water has negative charge. Uh, some people will attribute the well-known negative charge of the cell to some membrane uh, features like pumps and channels and such. And I tried to dispel that notion in my various books and some of my writings, because I think uh, not only is the evidence against that, but it doesn't make sense. But I, want, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to talk about that now. But the cell has negative electrical potential. However, if, it, if it's pathological... Uh, it doesn't have as much negative electrical potential. It, it, uh, so for example, if you look at cancer cells, instead of minus 60 or minus 70, which would be the usual negative electrical potential, it may be minus 20 or minus 10. Same thing with pathological kidney mm. cells, only minus 10, minus 50, which means in 
along the lines of interpretation that I would uh, uh, attribute, it means it has less easy water, doesn't have as much. Okay. And, and, and that, in fact, might be related to the pathology, the fact that it's devoid of this kind of water, which is necessary for, for all function. See, so, mm-hmm. so this is, is mm-hmm. very important. So you want to um, somehow build up this easy water. And one easy way to do it is to connect yourself to the earth electrically. And as you said, you can do that by walking on the beach and usually barefoot, you feel good. And I remember uh, mm-hmm. growing up in, in New York City, in Brooklyn, where in the summertime, we all went to the beach, at, at Brighton Beach. And I remember as a kid getting buried right near the water, getting buried in the sand up to my neck. Oh, <laughs> and, and that, that, that is really connecting to the earth. And I, I, I also remember wanting to remain there forever because it felt so good. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. I don't remember so much from my youth. I must have been 10 years old or eight years old. But I remember never feeling so good, at least at that, that age, as feeling as being buried and not wanting to get unburied. But eventually we had to go uh-huh. home. So I got un- unburied. Right. <laughs> so why is that? So in the laboratory, we found <clears throat> we stick two electrodes into water next to the negative electrode. You know, you pass current into the water. We found that easy water builds, negatively charged easy water builds next to the negative electrode. All that means is you're putting electrons into the water and you're converting ordinary water to easy water just merely by passing negative charge into it. So all you need to do is walk barefoot on the beach or connect yourself to one of the gadgets or bury mm-hmm. yourself in the, in the sand near the water. Or if you're in Japan, enjoy a mud bath. You're connecting yourself mm-hmm. electrically to a practically infinite source of negative charge. And, and that negative charge flows into your body and builds easy water where you don't have enough of it. And that's why you feel. So that's why the Calistoga mud baths feel so good. I'm sorry. That's why what? That's why. Oh, in Calistoga in Northern yeah. California, they're famous for their mud baths. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, they're so wonderful. Are they? I haven't tried it, but I, I can mm. imagine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mud baths would, okay. would surely do it. So that's that. That's one one way. Um, you know, there are half a dozen different ways that I I can think of. Yeah. What are some of the other ways? Um, so okay. So like like I have a travel little thingy for water and it it vortexes the water it structures it how does that how does structuring your drinking water create easy water well it is already easy water see that but it's not jelly i mean it's no it it, it's not so let me let me go back a step about about vortexing um you know vortexing became uh famous from uh the naturalist, uh, Victor Schauberger, uh, all, all the people in the water field know that name. He was an Austrian national, uh, naturalist, and he discovered many things, uh, including some kinds of flying saucers, but he was most during World War II. He was pressed by the Nazis into, into developing that. He was given a choice of do that or your life. And so, you know, he mm, chose. Mm-hmm. But he's famous for talking about vortices and so he was looking at rivers and, you know, you could find it when, when the water comes near a rock, it kind of swirls. And, mm-hmm. and he was talking about uh, a vortex as being so-called living water. It has a kind of energy to it, whereas water that's just sitting still doing nothing is dead water. 
And okay. it, this terminology uh, has, has been um, adopted. And a lot of people are thinking that vortex water uh, has special structure to it. And it might, and it probably does. It's just that I have yet to see the appropriate experimental evidence that that's the case. I think it's likely to be true, um, but it's not so easy to, to find out because, because the, the structure may exist as long as the vortex exists. And if, well, that's one of the things I was wondering, like if you vortex the water and it sits in the glass for overnight or whatever, is it still structured or has it lost it? Somebody needs to do the proper experiments. We actually mm -hmm. tried, we started, it was an undergraduate student and uh, there was some disconnect. He got some promising seeming results, but it was never really conclusive. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if we had the resources, uh, like everybody else, our laboratory has limited resources. So we can do only so much with, with the space that we have and the money we have. And, and there are so many things that are so interesting to do that we can't do everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway, so, so what I'm trying to convey is that, uh, in my opinion, uh, for what it's worth, Vortex water probably uh, is structured, uh, mm -hmm. maybe easy water, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure, not absolutely mm -hmm. sure. And so if you drink the stuff, there's a good chance that it's, it will be good water, uh, especially mm -hmm. if it's immediate, uh, you drink it right after it's been right vortex. after, but, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure uh, about that. Mm -hmm. I don't think okay. anybody is really sure, but, okay. but that leads me to something that I think is more secure and that is okay. juicing. Oh, okay. So why why is juicing? What do I need to get my juicer out? <laughs> you do absolutely. Which one do you have? <laughs> oh God, it's a uh, Angel Twin Twin um, Two. What do you call it? They're like screws, two screws oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah that juice. Mm -hmm. Well, I I don't I don't know that one, uh, but uh, I, I my wife used to some years ago used to make it. She got tired of doing it because you know you got to go out to the garden and take the fresh leaves. So, but think about what you're doing. You're taking plants, usually leaves, I don't know what you what you do in there. I like carrots a lot, doing oh, carrots. Carrots, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. And, and, and all of these are, you know, living creatures, fresh, new, not hundreds of years old or 10 years old. They're, they've just freshly grown, fresh cells. Inside those cells is easy water, just like there's easy water inside your cells. So when you squeeze the daylights out of it, you're squeezing out the easy water and then you drink the easy water. If you drink the easy water, you're skipping one of the steps that uh, your body needs to go through to create it. So um, usually you drink ordinary water, right? And the body then will take at least some of this ordinary water and from the ordinary water, it builds easy water. Uh, and, and so that's, that's what happens when you, you're thirsty, you drink water to quench your thirst. It's basically replenishing the organs in your body, not, not necessarily with the water that you drink, but the water that's converted from what you drink, converted to oh, easy water. Oh, so that takes, that takes energy and resources Absolutely. Your body to do that, yeah. But you can bypass okay. that by, by mm -hmm. drinking, by juicing, because you're taking the water from inside the plant cells. They're fresh, bright, new, plant cells and there's full of easy water, they're healthy. And, and, and so you drink that easy water uh, and it's good for you because it replenishes the easy water that might be missing from your cells. Mm -hmm. So that's an easy, um, so to speak, <laughs> easy way to, uh, 
Uh, and I think you'll find, um, I, I, I don't know if you know the Mercola website. Um, yeah, oh yes. In fact, I was very distressed to hear that he's had to take all of, all of the information on alternative therapies for, uh, for infection, we'll say, um, down because he's been personally getting persecuted. And oh uh, yeah, that's just, just in the last week he wrote that. And I was so glad that because he did a piece on nebulized hydrogen peroxide and how, how effective that is for any upper respiratory yep. infection. Yep. And I was so glad I, I did screenshots and I typed up everything. So I have all the instructions before he tore that all down. Uh, how sad. How sad I know it really is. is coming to this. Uh, yeah, it's so, so sad. Yep. Anyway, I, what I wanted to mention, I, I wanted to mention that on, on his website some time ago, he said that the very simplest thing that you can do for your general health is to juice, drink the, that kind of juice. Uh, you know, it's cheap. It's not very complicated. It takes a little time and it's so mm -hmm. good for your health. And I, I think yeah, I just need a big countertop. <laughs> Got too many things on my couch. well how you can imagine that you do or you need a bigger bigger kitchen uh yeah you need to yep. start start construction of a bigger kitchen <laughs> we're working on it <laughs> uh or use somebody else's kitchen so so yeah so juicing is is um okay is one of the Great. really important ways and it, it, again it's really simple to understand how i think how how it works uh okay so um, let's see, we talked about, about juicing. We talked about- Well, it sounds everything. like any kind of light therapy or lasers. Like I have cold lasers that I, I use a lot. Um, yeah. Well, they're infra infrared and um, they're a combination of infrared and uh, cold laser. Um, well, so I would assume that would yes, help too. Yes, absolutely. And you know, some of the, some of the uh, shorter wavelengths or uh, yeah shorter wavelengths that are not in the infrared can also help because they have a tendency to penetrate deeper uh right whereas some of the infrared <laughs> wavelengths don't so you know well i know with this one laser that i've had for gosh about 15 years they combined the two and then i had read that they were going to take the they had been considering taking the infrared out but then they, when they did some experiments, they found that there was kind of a synergistic effect of having the two together. So they imagine. left them in. Yeah, uh, I can imagine for the reason I mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. One builds easy water better. The other one penetrates better. Uh, so Got it. Yeah, so uh, laser, low-level laser light therapy. Yep. Well, yeah, so uh, it, it seems to work. Uh, it works very well. And I think the explanation comes from what we've we've been talking about another one has to do with certain substances so oh okay it, you, you, i was reading something about antioxidants is that what you're going to talk about <coughs> or uh, yeah it actually falls under that that uh that same category um, okay yeah because antioxidants uh, usually have uh, I, I mean i wasn't going to but um usually have negative charge and uh and neg oh, negative charge okay. builds easy water so it it, okay. it it fits i was wondering why okay. well i think you know that's my speculation as to why it, it, it seems to work but i was talking about mm -hmm. other substances that date back to ayurvedic times in you know, oh, okay. india uh, uh so five thousand years ago uh, don't quote me on the year but uh i know <laughs> uh, the ayurvedic communities were 
using certain substances, certain herbs that seem to be good for health. So, you know, some of them like turmeric, for example, yeah. and basil mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and, and so modern mainstream medicine has forgotten about all that, uh, that stuff right. thinking, you know, that 5,000 years ago, what did they know? What did they know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a, a bit slightly arrogant, but uh, mm-hmm. it turns out that they, they knew quite a lot and they found it was useful. And so nobody, nobody has really, um, or had, I think really understood why, why these are, these substances are good for health. Um, and we did some experiments. Uh, we came up with a hypothesis. So something like turmeric, for example, it seems to be good for so many different issues that you, you might have ranging from headaches to infections to all over the body. And so, you know, there are two possible or maybe more hypotheses for how, how this might work. One of them is that your body somehow has uh, receptors in different kinds of cells all over your body for turmeric. And so turmeric hits and the receptor is activated and you get better. That's one hypothesis. Mm-hmm. It's a little complicated to think okay. that that would be the case. The second one is that there's only one mechanism and then operates throughout the body. And, and so the first thing that you think about uh, would be water because water's all over the body. So hypothesis is if you, <clears throat> if you add turmeric, you get more easy water. The turmeric builds easy water and, and it can work anywhere in your body from, you know, from a headache to mm. a toe ache or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we did experiments to test to see what happens and all the experiments turn out to be positive. So we found for turmeric, for example, you just put a little bit in, in the solution in the chamber that we use for testing and the easy water grows uh, Oh, but it wasn't just turmeric. We did it for basil as well. We got the same result. Ghee uh, is really mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put oh. we put ghee. We actually put ghee in the water and look for an exclusion zone right next to the ghee, and it was the biggest one we ever saw. Uh, uh, oh my it was like almost a millimeter. Uh, I mean, that we saw in a kind of natural growth. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also tried aspirin, uh, which, as you know, is comes from the uh, bark of the willow tree. It's natural. It did mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and as you know, aspirin has lots of positive oh. effects. Uh, um, right. So, so um, we have a whole bunch of those. And every one of the ones that we tested is published. Every one of the ones that we tested uh, gave a positive result. On the other hand, uh, as a control, we tested something that we might expect to have a negative effect, and that was glyphosate. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know about that. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite topics. Uh, yeah, well, I know you've been <clears throat> speaking to Stephanie Seneff lately, and uh, it's yes, one of her favorite yes. topics, too. And uh, Yeah, that's definitely one of the ways we connect. Believe me, I have been saying for years and years that it's not the GMOs, everybody. It's the glyphosate. And I have been vindicated, but I was saying that long before mainstream ever. I, I kept telling people it's not the GMOs to, to focus on. It's the glyphosate. You're you're, you're looking in the wrong direction. Well, uh, that's I hadn't heard that it's not the GMOs before. I'm willing to listen to your argument, well, but I mean, yeah, uh, that mm, no, I, mm-hmm. I it's just I'm not familiar with it with your argument, but certainly for the glyphosate, it is uh, because the evidence now is overwhelming. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so anyway, 
in our in our tests, uh, we found that uh, at, at any concentration, uh, glyphosate diminishes uh, the amount of easy water. Uh, it, it, no concentration did it ever uh, increase uh, the amount of easy water. So, so I think uh, mm -hmm. you know glyphosate is a poison. It's a weed killer, right? It just is. Is said that right. it has no effect on us. It's really difficult to understand uh, if it has. Well, the, the argument that it has no effect on us is because my understanding is that it doesn't affect the cells per se, it's affecting the bacteria, the shikimate pathway, it's destroying the shikimate pathway in the bacteria, and we have way more bacteria in our bodies as we have cells. Well, yeah, could be that. That's my uh, understanding. Okay. I, I, I hear you on, on that. Uh, at, at any rate, in our, in our experience, we just found that, that it diminished easy water and that that just made sense to us because if you diminish easy water, the cell can't function. And, you know. So that does mean it does affect the cells then too. It's not just. The well, bacteria. we don't have direct information on cells per se, but you know, if the, if the cell is filled with easy water, we've demonstrated that, uh, that this stuff diminishes easy water. So, it, you know, it's the next logical step that it probably does the right. same thing inside the cell. In fact, in fact, mm -hmm. you know, one could argue, we haven't tested that other poisons may operate exactly the same way because if it depletes, sure. if it depletes easy water, the cell won't function. If the cells don't function, you die, mm -hmm. uh, or at least you get mm -hmm. sick. Yeah. Right. So right. anyway, uh, so that's another, you know, another, another way that um, you can improve your health. And all, all of these are, are, are through, through, the creation of easy water. And the one that I guess I uh, I failed to mention is the most obvious one. I was just going to ask, have we left uh, anything out before yeah, we drink a lot of water? If you can get water that contains a, a sizable fraction of easy in it, according to everything mm -hmm. we know, it should be good for health. And, and that, that that's why, okay. um, you know, some actually there are quite a few companies now who are producing water some of them call it fourth phase water. Some call it easy water. Not associated with us in any way, but they've they've used the mm -hmm. name, and you know they say this water contains structure, and it might. It's just I haven't seen for most of these companies. I haven't seen the tests that they've un undergone to. But you know if if you have a, a a water that contains a sizable fraction of easy water in it. At least from everything we know from the theory, it should be good for health because it's already got the easy right. in it, and that easy is is going to be uh, good for your cells. And by the way, it doesn't get neutralized. Uh, some people think it goes through the stomach and should get neutralized, but the pH of the stomach acid is indeed low. But there's so little of it. Uh, if you take a big gulp of water, you're not going to dilute. Uh, I mean it's not going to have a major impact because the, the stomach acid, because there's so little of it. And so. Oh, interesting. That's yeah, it, it should be, especially, you know, if you drink a whole bunch of it rather than a sip or a teaspoon mm -hmm. or something like that. Well, you, you've created some products, haven't you? No. To uh, create fourth. Well, we have, a, we have a company and, um, and the company had been working, um, you know, small company, <coughs> excuse me, small company. And with a small company with limited investment, you have to focus on one thing and you can't uh, do everything. And so we, we had been focusing on filtration because, because we, we demonstrated in the laboratory a, a, 
a wonderful water filter, all you have to do is collect the easy fraction of the water. So we have a way, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, if I describe it without a diagram, it may not come through clearly, but let's just put it this way. If you can create easy water, a substantial amount of it, you extract this easy water. This easy water excludes all the junk, right? And so all the mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. that have been dumped into the water and the bacteria and all that stuff and viruses, they get excluded. Uh, and, you know, we have evidence on, on that. And so, so the company began working on that for a while. And we, we ran into some technical obstacles that we, we would need more money to, uh, to solve. Uh, I hope we can continue. Uh, it, we're, it's a little iffy, iffy at the moment um, uh, for mm -hmm. limited investment because of certain uh, issues. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, giant, giant company on the stock market or something like this. Uh, just a little right. startup. Uh, uh, it's a, as I said, a little okay. startup company, and some some big changes are okay. actually in store imminently, and uh, so we're not exactly sure where that um, effort is going. But one way or another, uh, I mean, the reason the reason that filtration system is is interesting is because we think it could also separate salt. And <coughs> oh, oh, that's yeah. It's That's very important, important. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we could do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are ways to do it now with reverse osmosis, but you know, you have to be um, um, a wealthy um, Saudi Arabian or uh, 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 whatever to be able to yeah. afford the oil that reduce the energy that you need to run the reverse osmosis, and 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 so it, it's not so um, so simple. However, in a, in our system, right, uh, you don't need that energy. The energy comes from the sun see and, mm -hmm. and if we can mm -hmm. if we can use this to separate the salt from the water then you can imagine taking ocean water and running it through our system in the sun the sun is what's responsible right. it's, it's the sun's energy that's doing it and mm -hmm. get drinking water out of it and so right well here's what i would suggest for people because i have your website it's pollock lab p-o-l-l-a-c-k lab.org and if on the first page, which is your name, Jerry, if they scroll down to the bottom, there's a place to put in an email ad address to stay up to date with the Pollock Laboratory. And I'm sure that once you get that up and running and, you know, you will. Uh, uh, we're not so good at that, I must admit. I, uh, you know, we, we have so much going on that. Uh, 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 it, it, well, I would think though that if you if you were to develop a filtration system that you know that you wanted to sell that that somebody would be able to send out an email. Yeah, well, we can we certainly do that, but uh, that, I mean that's that's the work of a company, not the university. The two uh -huh. have to remain distinct, uh, and and so right, none right. of that work goes on in in my laboratory. It goes on. Uh, because mm. it can't. Uh, the, the University of Washington is a state university, and the idea would be that I would be using mm -hmm. state facilities to put money in my pocket. Uh, not that money is going to be put in my pocket. Mm -hmm. in any, uh, that's not the purpose mm -hmm. of the company, of course. Uh, it's to, to create something for humanity. But Right. Well, let me offer you this, this invitation that when you do have something that's available for the public, I'll have you back on and you can talk about it. And uh, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. I would love to, of, of course. Yeah.
But I, th I think the right, right now that there, there's so much information mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. fourth phase book has been very popular on Amazon. Uh, oh, nice. Translated nice. into, I think, nine languages by now. Uh, yeah, I'll put a link to the book. Um, I, I read it on my Kindle uh, because I didn't want to wait to have it shipped to me. So I, uh, oh, okay. I did it that way. And I'll, I'll put a link on the website so they can just click on it. And even though I'm really not into supporting <clears throat> Bezos and Amazon. Um, it's like, it's like one of the main sources right now for living yeah, out in the boonies where there's not much opportunity to get what I need. Can't go down to see, uh, uh, to uh, Spokane and shop right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I hear you on that. When you use it, did you have figures uh, oh, accessible yes. or mm -hmm. not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Pictures. Um, actually, images? I found that on my iPad, the pictures were much okay. better. On my little uh, paper Kindle, the pictures didn't come out that good, but they came out great on my iPad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the pictures with cartoons and such. Uh, my my son deserves credit, complete credit for that. He's he's amazing. Uh, he's actually oh, he's great. actually a sculptor by training, but uh, one day he said, "Dad, I want to illustrate your books," <laughs> and so there we are. Yeah. Oh, great. That's great. Yeah. Well, Jerry, this has been really fun for me. I think I, I hope every I, you know, this has been a long conversation, but I think that there's so much information here and it's really valuable. And, and just having a conversation with you has been enjoyable. So I hope everybody has really enjoyed this and learned something, uh, even though it, it has been long. Sometimes they're long and I don't want to cut people off because it's I think it's valuable information and and the work that you do is inspiring. You know, one of the things that we didn't really talk about, but, you know, you have I mean, the reason that you've come up with all of this is that you are willing to challenge mainstream conventional thinking. And otherwise, you wouldn't have I would imagine you wouldn't have even come up with all of this and discovered this. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, that I mean, after all, that's what science is about, um, isn't it? It's not crossing mm -hmm. the T's and dotting the I's. It, it, it's, um, it's creating scientific revolutions because that's when we advance. And unfortunately, there haven't been too many scientific revolutions. There have been lots of technological revolutions which allow us to do mm -hmm. what we're doing now. Uh, but scientific revolutions, you know, compared to like splitting of the atom or the genetic code, they're all more than 50 years old. Uh, even more than mm -hmm, that. So, mm -hmm. well, and I would like to extrapolate too with things that are going on today. The the whole idea of of um, you know being open minded, uh, uh, being curious, uh, it can, challenging what the mainstream conventional thinking is right now. You know, just in our everyday life, not just in this pursuit of science. It's really important. It's so important, uh, and absolutely. And you know that. <laughs> Unfortunately, the boundary between truth and non-truth is truth is is seemingly fuzzy. It isn't fuzzy, yes. but uh, it's being made fuzzy. And so, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, truth seeking uh, is so important. Uh, right. Transparency, and, and I invite everyone to do it to open your mind. As uh, when I interviewed uh, Jennifer Margulis, uh, I think she quoted was it Einstein. I forget who it was. It said, if you open your mind, your brain won't fall out. I, 
I love it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think she wasn't quite sure who, who, you know, where the quote came from, but I've, I just, it's like one of my favorite quotes right now. You know, if you just open your mind, your brain's not going to fall out. You don't have to be afraid. <laughs> I, I have to write this down because I love it. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. I'm glad I gave you another. Okay. Well, Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, like I said, I'd love to have you back on when you, uh, when, I won't say if, I'll say when you have a, a product that uh, is available for the public. Well, thank you. I, I, I hope it's soon and I hope to be back even if we don't uh, do that. Oh, that would be <laughs> yeah. lovely. So okay. yeah, it's been a great pleasure. You're like an amazing interviewer. So th thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Take care, Janine, and uh, we'll you too. See. Take care, okay, Jerry. Bye, okay. Bye. 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 Oh, thank you for listening, everyone, and for hanging in there to the end. And thank you, Dr. Gerald Pollack, for your dedication to your work and your desire to think outside the box and buck conventional thinking. I really, really appreciate that. I love having people on my show that that do that. Remember, once again, the podcast website is realjanine.com. And as always, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. -E Go to your favorite podcast provider to subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine. And if you prefer video slideshows, you will find them on YouTube and BitChute. Just search for Keeping It Real with Janine. Do you know someone who would enjoy my conversation with Gerald Pollack, Jerry? Please help out and share with friends and family. It will be appreciated by all of us. Thanks for listening and take care and as always, be well. <laughs>